Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Today we're going to preview the Falcons versus Raiders game, looking at traditional stats, some of the PFF scores for both teams, and give our prediction for how we see this game playing out on Sunday. The Falcons are coming into this game at 3-7. and seven. Uh, Their playoff hopes basically gone at this point, barring a miraculous finish to the season. The Raiders come in to Atlanta with a 6-4 record, having just lost to their division rival, the Kansas City Chiefs. And they are looking to maintain their potential playoff spot at this point. So this is two teams with two different trajectories right now. Atlanta fans are talking about the NFL draft at this point. They're talking about the new regime that will come in, uh, GM, head coach candidates, what they may do with a top five, top ten draft pick in next year's draft class. Meanwhile, the Raiders are a team that still has playoff aspirations. They've got a quarterback that's playing well. They've got a lot of young talent on that offense. And they are a team with a a tremendous amount of upside as they they move forward. So very interesting game uh, between these two teams. Although, given the records, I I think this is actually going to be closer than what some people anticipate. Let's dive into why I think it's going to play out that way. And let's start with how the Falcons' defense is going to match up with this Raiders offense. So starting with the Raiders offense, it obviously starts with the man in the middle, and that is Derek Carr. He's a veteran in this league. There was a lot of talk when John Gruden took over the Raiders about whether or not he would be the future of the franchise at quarterback going forward. He's having a really good year. Uh, right now, You know, statistically, he is completing almost 70% of his passes. He has 2,400 yards passing, 19 touchdowns, and just three interceptions Uh, He's only been sacked 14 times this year in 10 games, uh, and he has a passer rating of 108.7. So Carr is a big reason why they have been successful so far this year. He has had sort of a rejuvenation uh, this year compared to really the past several years, going back to his best season, uh, which was 2016, the year that Matt Ryan won the MVP award. And many uh, Raiders fans at the time thought that Carr should have been in the conversation for that as well. That's a generous interpretation of his 2016 season, which was good, uh, but not great, not MVP level. But I don't want to take anything away from what he is accomplishing this season. Now, where PFF is concerned, they have him ranked as the 11th best quarterback in the league. So, you know, again, I think this is where you have to take some of the traditional stats with a grain of salt. Uh, He's still ranked very highly by PFF. Uh, Even though he's 11th, he has a a very solid 81.0 score, which does indicate he's playing very well. So I think right now the thing with PFF is when it comes to quarterbacks, we're living in an era where we've got so many good quarterbacks in the league. And being 11th of these guys does not mean that you're playing poorly. And I think that's the case with Carr. He's just not necessarily in the same echelon as a Patrick Mahomes. 
Let's talk about the weapons that Carr has. Uh, first of all, in the backfield in his second year, Josh Jacobs has been really, really good. Uh, don't let the stats, again, completely throw you off here. Uh, let's start with his PFF score just to get that out of the way. He's ranked seventh of all running backs. Again, you know he's above 80, which indicates that he is a very good player, uh, a Pro Bowl quality player, if you will. His traditional stats, uh, 199 carries, 755 yards, which is a 3.8 average, which is, you know, if you use 4.0 as the benchmark for good, he's right there. But again, nine touchdowns for this guy. He's averaging about 75 yards per game. Uh, Really is just having a a phenomenal second year, and he's going to be a big factor in this game for the Raiders. Now, when it comes to the receiving weapons for the Raiders, you have to start ironically, with the tight end, uh, with Darren Waller, who is arguably one of the better receiving tight ends in the league and is sort of overshadowed by the the Travis Kelseys uh, of the league. And he is the number one target for uh, Derek Carr in this offense. He has 83 targets uh, compared to the next highest guy, which is Hunter Renfro with 41. So he literally has double the targets of the, the next highest guy. He's got 60 receptions, 519 yards, an 8.6 average, five touchdowns, which is second on the team, uh, only next to Nelson Aguilar. So again, uh, this tight end, he's having a really, really good season. Waller is a guy that moves like a wide receiver. Uh, He is built like a tight end, moves like a receiver. He could be a very, very big problem for the Falcons, who have struggled this year in covering tight ends. And he is going to be one of the most difficult ones we're going to face this year. Now, while the Raiders may be really excited about the long, long-term potential of Henry Ruggs III out of Alabama, right now the two receivers who are getting it done the most for the Raiders are Nelson Aguilar, yes, the same Nelson Aguilar of uh, the Eagles, uh, who was uh, the running joke up in Philadelphia while he was up there. And certainly I think Falcons fans remember him from 2019 with his infamous drop that could have sent the Falcons to 0-8. Uh, in the first half of 2019. And certainly him dropping that ball and keeping the Eagles from winning gave the Falcons their one win, which may have kept Dan Quinn around for the entire season. So Nelson Aguilar, screw you, buddy. Uh, He is having a good year. 24 receptions, 443 yards, 18.5 average. And he has six touchdowns on the team. Uh, Hunter Renfro, their uh, slot receiver, He has 31 catches for 436 yards, so right behind uh, Aguilar for a 14.1 average and two touchdowns. And then Ruggs has uh, 14 receptions for 256 yards, 18.3 average. So again, he can be very explosive once the ball is in his hands uh, and a touchdown. So this is a, a really, really solid receiving core, especially when you throw Waller into the mix, who again, is he's built like a tight end, but he moves more like a receiver. And honestly, in this game, it comes down to protecting Carr, and the Raiders have done a good job of that this year. Now, if we look at the PFF scores for the Raiders' offensive line, uh, they are sort of up and down. Uh, Let's take a look at the guys that uh, are going to be up front uh, that the Falcons will be trying to get through to get the Carr. Uh, At left tackle, they've got uh, Colton Miller, who is in his third year. He's actually their best pass blocker. He's having a good season. Um, At left guard, you've got Denzel Good. Uh, Again, it's sort of a mediocre uh, average to mediocre grade. Uh, He ranks uh, 54th out of 82 guards uh, by PFF. 
their center, Rodney Hudson, he's a veteran, uh, about 31, 32 years old. Again, just a, a solid overall player. He's ranked 14th uh, for all the centers in the league. So think of him as sort of being in that Alex Mack category right now where centers are concerned. So a decent player, uh, maybe not you know blowing the, the stats out the door. Uh, right guard, Gabe Jackson, uh, he's been around for several years. Uh, decent pass blocker. Uh, again, he's a guy who's uh, the past couple years has struggled a little bit more than what he did early on in his career. Uh, when he was shown to have a ton of promise coming out of Mississippi State. Uh, finally, right tackle, Brandon Parker may be the weakest link here. He's a decent pass blocker, terrible in run blocking if you look at the PFF scores. He has never uh, really, uh, in his third year, he has not turned into uh, really a quality player at this point. Uh, his PFF scores, if we go back to his rookie year, 47, 39, which is dreadful. Uh, and this year is 54. Uh, which again ranks him 72nd out of 77 right tackles. Uh, and that's going to be the story for their offensive line. Now, again, when you look at Derek Carr, he's only got uh, 14 sacks on the year. And, you know, that's that's a little over one per game. So they're doing a good job of keeping him clean. This offense is doing a good job of keeping him clean. Now, some of that could be evidenced by the fact that Carr is averaging just 7.7 yards per pass. Um, but again, that that level of efficiency, it's keeping him upright. Um, and this offensive line is sort of benefiting from the nature of their offense. Now, what about the Falcons defense? How do they match up? Now, I don't have to tell you guys, if you are listening to this podcast and you're a fan of the Falcons, the Falcons do not have a good defense. I'm sorry. However, they do have some players that are looking good. Obviously, if we start in the trenches, it all comes down to Grady Jarrett, who is borderline elite by PFF scores. He's got three sacks on the year, which is second on the team, uh, funny enough. Um, he is ranked the sixth best defensive interior uh, defensive lineman by PFF. He is arguably the only guy on the front, this defensive front, that is getting the job done. Dante Fowler Jr., who is just activated back off of the COVID-19 list, uh, will likely be playing in this game, but he has been a massive disappointment. Uh, he has battled injuries for almost the entire season, so I don't know how much of his p- performance has been based around the fact that he's been struggling with an ankle injury and now a hamstring injury, but hopefully uh, he can get in there and make some kind of difference, especially going up against Parker at right tackle. That's where his best opportunities are going to lie. Um, Davidson, Bailey, Means, the rest of these guys, they're all just sort of hovering around mediocre. So if you're looking for the Falcons to disrupt this Raiders offense, it doesn't look like there's a great opportunity here. Grady Jarrett is always the wild card here. He can be someone that can jump in, obviously blow up any interior offensive line, but at some point it has to be more than just Grady. Uh, As we go outside the trenches, the linebackers for the Falcons, Deion Jones has been good at times and terrible at others. He's sort of had his most inconsistent season yet in the middle of this defense. He is still ranked 18th out of 87 linebackers, but you know this is a guy who, by PFF, his scores were in the 80s. Uh, it put him in Pro Bowl category for his first several years. He's in the mid-60s now, and again, that's not terrible. It's just sort of okay, uh, but it is disappointing to see from one of the players that we were hoping would be you know, one of the core pieces of this defense going forward, and I'm not saying he, he's not going to be. Don't get me wrong. 
Um, but Jones is obviously not playing up to his normal standards. His inconsistency, I think, is the biggest issue. And right now, I think if you're questioning his long-term future, his play this year is, is a good reason why. Now, next to him, Foye Lucon has been playing much, much better. Now, PFF has a, a lower score for him than what you would think um, with a 62.3 overall. That feels a little bit inconsistent with his play, which I feel like has been uh, remarkable, especially after the first few games. He's really come alive uh, in the past five, six games, and that Dallas game being sort of the jumping-off point where he was just dominant. Uh, his speed on the field uh, really seems good. He seems like he's recognizing plays. And honestly, I, I feel like he has played his way into being a long-term starter with the Falcons. Uh, he's got the speed, the athleticism. He hits hard. He's the kind of linebacker. Honestly, I've, I've seen some people suggest that maybe he belongs at the mic more than Dion, And I think there's a strong case to be made for that. Uh, he has certainly been playing at a higher level in his third year. And honestly... You know, his his run defense at times has, has been hit or miss. Um, he has been decent in coverage. And uh, honestly, his pass rush has been really, really good at times. So Aluokan uh, is, again, a, another pleasant surprise with his defense. Really, the one that surprised me is Michael Walker, the rookie, a fourth-round pick out of Fresno State. Um, again, tough year for rookies with no training camp, no rookie camp, no preseason games. And he is actually our highest-rated linebacker. Now, let me clarify this. His run defense is not good. So for whatever reason, PFF has him, you know, sort of not in the great spot with his run defense. His coverage grade has him third best in the league. He has an 88.7 coverage grade at linebacker. It makes you wonder if the Falcons may consider putting Michael Walker on Darren Waller instead of Jones or Aluakon. So something to keep an eye on. And, and Walker is six foot three. He's a little bit taller than the other two guys. Um, again, another mid-round rookie who is showing up and, and playing well. He's actually our highest graded rookie this year. Yes, including in front of A.J. Terrell. So let's talk about those corners. A.J. Terrell, right now, 71.3 grade. He's actually playing really well. And when you consider where his score started at the beginning of the year with PFF, he has really grown into that number one corner role. Uh, his grade has improved almost through every single game. And I think if you look at his play on the field, it's it's validating that. It's validating that he is playing at a high level. He's ranked 20th out of all the corners in the league right now, which is a great Again, especially for a rookie in a year like this where a lot of rookies league-wide are just struggling. You know, that transition to the college game, not having a lot of the normal activities that help get them up to speed. Having this kind of production in year one is very, very promising for his future. Now, the other corners. I hate to say it, but Isaiah Oliver is not as bad as everyone thinks he is. Um he is not getting as many snaps as he did at the beginning of the year, and maybe that's helping him. Maybe the fact that he is not being put out there on every single down is helping him to perform better. And if that's the case, then perhaps he needs to be in a reduced role for now. But he has actually turned in a fairly decent season. Now, that said, he is better in run defense and you know his pass rush as compared to his coverage. So... Not necessarily what you want to see out of a corner. You know, you don't need a pass rushing cornerback. Uh, but 
he is not the abject disaster that I think uh, some people make him out to be. He's sort of middle of the league when it comes to his coverage grade, by the way. Uh, Darquez Denard, who has been at times really, really good, he had a terrible game against the Saints, and I think that downgraded his ranking a good bit. Um, but this veteran has has mostly been solid this year, and I think he was a good pickup for the team. But overall, this this cornerback core after Terrell is sort of hit and miss, and they're going to have some tough matchups here. You know, this this is again a Raiders offense. Carr is distributing the ball really well. That you don't have a guy that's really sort of dominating on this offense between Waller and Aguilar and uh, Rugs and. Uh, I, I think this is a group that could really stretch these corners thin, and that is concerning. Finally, the safeties for the Falcons, uh, Ricardo Allen, uh, Keanu Neal, obviously both guys, uh, we expect a lot more out of them. Neal has played better as of late, still not great, not up to his prior standards. And Rico, with a 61 grade on PFF, is just sort of there. He's he's okay, he's not great, he's not terrible. Um, but again, this is something where for what we needed out of these guys, they're just not living up to what we needed for this defense to be better than what they have been over the past several years, going back to, you know, 2018, 2019. And of course this year, this is a defense that, uh, honestly for what we wanted, uh, in the Dan Quinn era, we just got more of the same, more of a bottom third of the league defense and, Right now, going up against this Raiders offense, this is not a good matchup. You know, this is not a matchup where I see the Falcons generating a lot of pressure up front outside of Grady Jarrett. You know, maybe Dante Fowler takes advantage of the matchup at right tackle, but he just hasn't done much this year. I don't know that it warrants uh, any confidence in him. Uh, Really, where the Falcons have been the most successful is with the Blitz. The guy that leads the league and or leads the team in sacks is Deion Jones with three and a half. Uh, next to him is Grady Jarrett with three, uh, and I believe Charles Harris has uh, three as well. Uh, so you don't have a lot of success outside of the blitz, uh, which means uh, you know if you're going to pressure the quarterback, you should probably blitz more. But then again, that takes guys out of the secondary. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Falcons try to do to generate pressure. Um, this is this is going to be a tough matchup. And honestly, if I'm looking at it, I'm looking on the, the paper stats, uh, Carr is playing well, uh, Aguilar is playing well, Hunter Renfro, Ruggs, Waller, Josh Jacobs in the backfield. This does not feel like a great matchup for Atlanta's defense. I think the Raiders are going to put up 28-plus, uh, and this could be one of those games where if the Atlanta offense can't get going, this could get out of hand very quickly. Uh, So let's look at how the Atlanta offense matches up with this Raiders defense. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 
And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast with an analysis of the upcoming Raiders and Falcons game, looking at some of the stats and some of the PFF scores to figure out how this game may play out. So we've talked about how the Falcons defense matches up with this Raiders offense. Let's flip the script. How does the Atlanta offense look going up against this Raiders defense? So here's the good news. The Raiders are second to last in the league in sacks ahead of only Jacksonville. Yes, the Falcons have more sacks than even the Raiders do. And that is just a sad, sad fact for this team. This is not a team with a Cameron Jordan or a Trey Hendrickson that's going to completely annihilate our pocket. They have 11 sacks on the year in 10 games. So that should tell you they're, they're generating just over one sack per game. Atlanta's not substantially better, but they are better. And this is, if we look at the defensive front for the Raiders, they don't have any big names that jump out. The one name that jumps out right now is uh, Max Crosby in his second year. He leads the team in sacks with six. Yes, he has six of the 11 sacks um, that the Raiders have on the season which means the next highest guy on the team has one and a half, and that's Carl Nassib. That is not good productivity. Uh, so again, let's look at you know how these guys uh, match up. On the end, you've got Clellan Farrell in his second year. He is actually a really good player, first-round draft pick out of Clemson last year. He is much, much better at run defense than he is in rushing the passer. Uh, he is a, a player that I think they were hoping would come in and become uh, more of a pass rushing threat that hasn't materialized yet, at least not in his second year. But he is a good run defender. So this could be you know, something where the Falcons may want to stay away from his side of the field when they try to get their run game going. On the interior, uh, they've got Jonathan Hankins, who's been a quality player, a quality defensive tackle in this league for many years, um, coming out of Ohio State back in 2013. And again, his run defense grade is really strong. This is uh, one of the better run defenders uh, in the league. So if you're going to try to get your offense going against the Raiders right now, it looks like up front, it's not going to be through the run. Uh, Next to him is where the weaknesses start. Malik Collins in his fifth year is not living up to anyone's expectations as a third-round pick. Um, Yeah, he is currently one of the worst-graded defensive players in the league by PFF, certainly not getting it done. And of course, we mentioned Max Crosby. What's amazing is even though he has those six sacks, uh, and again, I, you know, I I haven't had a chance to see him play extensively. Um, this is a former fourth round pick, 2019. Uh, his pass rush grade is sort of mediocre. So he's got six sacks, but PFF is basically saying, yeah, this guy isn't as good as his stats are saying that he is. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, obviously, uh, sometimes guys can rack up those sacks based off of coverage or based off of other guys generating pressure. Um, but six sacks, but sort of mediocre PFF scores. Not sure what to make of that. That's a name maybe Falcons fans should pay attention to on Sunday to see you know how he looks in the game versus what we're looking at here purely from a statistical standpoint. Now, their linebackers are an interesting group. Uh, in the middle is Nick Kwiatkowski. Uh, his, he came out in 2016, the fourth round. He's actually having a pretty strong year. Uh, he has got 
uh, an 80.6 defensive grade, which makes him sixth out of all linebackers in the league. And his coverage grade ranks second at 89.3. He is uh, a much better guy in coverage, apparently, than he is against the run. Uh, so he is someone, again, to pay attention to on the back end of the defense. Uh, next to him, uh, Kyle Wilbur, uh, more of a run-based uh, run defender than he is in coverage. Uh, and arguably the weak link of this unit right now is Corey Littleton, who had a good year last year, but this year is near the bottom of the league in his PFF score. So again, the, the linebackers don't look like they're going to be a big issue in this game. Uh, the safeties, uh, you've got Jeff Heath, a veteran who has uh, had a sort of up and down career, but in recent years has been a much better player. He's been pretty good in coverage. And uh, next to him, you've got Jonathan Abram, who right now by the PFF scores is one of the worst safeties in the league. Uh, I, again, his you can only go so far with these PFF scores, but they have him literally as second to last of all the safeties that are playing. So when it comes to this Raiders defense, the defensive front, not particularly intimidating, very few sacks. Good against the run, uh, or at least a few of the guys are good against the run. Uh, the linebackers, you know, some good coverage there uh, with uh, Kwiatkowski. And then their safeties, again, you've got one good player, one terrible player. How that plays out on the field is what remains to be seen, but there is a reason this Raiders uh, defense is not considered to be one of the better ones in the league. Now, when it comes to their corners, the story doesn't get much better. So you've got uh, Damon Arnett, who went in the first round, again, struggling as a rookie, which is to be expected. Uh, next to him, you've got Nevin Lawson, uh, who was out of Utah State from 2014, fourth-round pick. Um, he's one of those guys where his coverage is sort of middle of the road. Think of him sort of in the same light that you would have uh, an Isaiah Oliver, someone that hopefully you don't have to rely on too heavily or else things could go bad for you. Uh, and then finally, you've got Trayvon Mullen in his second year out of Clemson, second-round pick from uh, 2019. Um, decent in coverage, uh, maybe not you know one of the top corners in the league, but he's 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 okay. Uh, and so this corner group is not much of an upgrade either. They are arguably you know more consistent, sort of uh, average, maybe slightly above average here and there. But overall, this unit is not one that if I'm looking at them going against the the receivers that the Falcons have. I'm, I'm not going to place any bets on them. <laughs> Let's put it that way. As for the Falcons, um, the guy in the middle, Matt Ryan, um, he is having you know a, a decent season, and it's frustrating because he's putting up some great stats, but it, it feels like it's still not hitting on all cylinders. Uh, he is completing just under 66% of his passes, almost 3,000 yards, 7.7 average, 304 yards per game, 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions, um, which is, you know, again, his numbers under Cutter tend to trend uh, more towards higher interceptions compared to under other coordinators. And that, again, is holding up this year as well. Uh, although, again, if we look at the PFF scores, Ryan is ranked uh, with an 80.9 score. So he's still a good quarterback. And I don't think you would look at this team and think that the main issues with the Falcons start at quarterback. So the receivers. Obviously, when you look at this offense, the first name that comes to mind is Julio Jones. Now we know he's been battling the hamstring injury all year. He was healthy for a couple games. 
the last game against the Saints, he obviously came out. He was struggling all game long. Uh, he was limited in practice this week, didn't practice on Friday. I think there is some thought that he will probably play, but may not be as effective as normal and may be out there mainly as a distraction for the defense to try to get them to commit coverage to him. So that should open up opportunities for Calvin Ridley, who has also been on the injury list this week, limited, so he was practicing, but again, uh, hopefully he is going to be ready for game time uh, coming off of that foot injury he suffered several weeks back. Uh, Russell Gage, uh, he is a player that I think the Falcons are going to need to lean on more. He was sort of invisible in the uh, past several games, but he is a player that for this season has been one of the rising stars on this offense. He's got 42 receptions for 437 yards, a 10.4 average. Uh, He's a guy that, honestly, I, I think he should be getting more opportunities. He's shown that he has Ryan's trust. Ryan has gone to him uh, when he's had the opportunity. Uh, But even if his, you know, he has some issues with drops, but he is an athletic player. He's a player that can stretch the defense. They need to get him involved more often. Uh, Ridley this year, 77 targets, 48 receptions, 747 yards, six touchdowns, continuing his trend of being a touchdown machine in the NFL. And Julio with uh, 48 receptions, 677 yards, uh, and just three touchdowns. Honestly, the player who surprised me on this list, because I didn't think his stats were this, you know, relatively good, was Hayden Hurst. He actually has 37 receptions for 411 yards, so he's fourth on the team in yards and in uh, receptions and targets. And it's hard with three touchdowns. It's hard to say that you know he's been a letdown. I think he has been invisible at times, and certainly has been underutilized based on the skills that we've seen him display, but he has actually put up some decent numbers. And if this you know trend continues, he'll probably put up numbers similar to what Austin Hooper did uh, last year and the year before. So the long-term potential with Hurst looks good. I would say that right now he's not, he's not being utilized uh, as well as you would hope by <laughs> offensive coordinator, Dirk Cutter. Now, All of these guys uh, are going to rely on the offensive line. But before we get to that, let's talk about the running back situation. Todd Gurley has already been ruled out for this game. Uh, So obviously, the team will be turning to Brian Hill, Edo Smith, and potentially Quadri Allison to carry the rock behind this offensive line. And actually, if we look at the stats, that may not be that much of a downgrade. Todd Gurley, 167 attempts, 610 yards for just a 3.7 average. He does have nine touchdowns, so if you're a big fantasy player and you've got Todd Gurley, you're probably happy with that. But behind him, Brian Hill with 60 carries has 261 yards for a 4.3 average. And honestly, Hill has been more successful in the passing game than uh, Todd Gurley has. And one of the things we thought would happen with Gurley was that he would be a big contributor in the passing game, and that just has not happened. Dirk Cutter has almost used him exclusively as a runner, He has 16 receptions for 82 yards, whereas Brian Hill has 16 receptions for 111 yards. Um, So when your backup running back is getting just as many receptions and more yards than your primary running back, something is probably not functioning properly. I don't don't want to hammer on Dirk Cutter. We have done that repeatedly on this podcast at thefalcoholic.com. Obviously, you guys know our opinion on that. He is certainly one of the biggest reasons this offense struggles 
when they shouldn't struggle. So hopefully this game going up against this Raiders defense will be a different story. It does, however, come up to the guys up front. And this offensive line has been hit and miss. Obviously, they were a lot worse against the Saints, who have a legitimate pass rush. And I think, again, it it bears repeating that the Raiders are one of the worst in the league at getting to the quarterback. I do not think we will see a repeat of what happened against the Saints on Sunday. Jake Matthews, maybe not a top 10 tackle in this league, but still a very, very decent starter. If you're looking to upgrade for Matthews, I don't know that there's a a ton of opportunities to do that. I think we just need to settle on the fact that Matthews is a good starter. He's never going to be like a a true pro bowler, an all pro type of tackle, but you don't necessarily need that to be successful in the NFL. You just need to have a guy that can get the job done on a consistent basis, and that's what Matthews has done. The other name on this line who has really taken a jump forward this year is Chris Lindstrom at right guard. He started the year off a little bit rough, but he has really improved his play throughout the year. He is now the 10th best ranked guard in the league. 75.7 grade by PFF has him as the highest graded offensive lineman on this line. Now next to him, Caleb McGarry, right tackle. He he had a stretch at the beginning of the year. It was awful. And then he improved dramatically. The past several games, he has struggled again. So sort of an up and down second year for McGarry. Uh, overall, his PFF grade of 63.3 is, is not terrible. Um, he is a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. Hopefully, this is just another step in his maturation process. This is hopefully just a year where, given the scheme, given the inconsistencies with the play calling, it's setting these guys up. Um, but McGarry is someone to keep an eye on because right now, of all the players on this line, on you know, he's he's the one that's sort of the most up and down, the most erratic. Alex Mack is sort of middle of the league where centers are concerned, and you know he's 35 years old. Certainly, that plays into this. Um, it's obviously going to be his last year in Atlanta. Uh, the Falcons have already drafted drafted his successor, uh, and at this point. You know, he's he's playing well enough. He's not the elite center that he used to be, but he is playing at a level where he's not an issue. He's not a major issue for the Falcons on this offensive line. Really, the biggest issue is at left guard. Again, James Carpenter, um, he's okay in pass blocking, really isn't getting it done in, you know, in the running game, but he is the lowest graded offensive lineman uh, for this group. In total, this is a Falcons offensive line, honestly, that... Uh, as long as they're not going against a premier pass rushing team, they've mostly gotten the job done this year. Carpenter is the exception here, and Ryan has been sacked an ungodly number of times. Uh, you know, this year he's got 27 sacks, almost double what Derek Carr has on the other side of the ball. Uh, that is not an acceptable number for the Falcons, but when they've kept Ryan protected, they've been able to score. So this feels like a game where. Given the fact that the Raiders struggle to get their pass rush going, they're one of the worst in the league. Again, 11 sacks on the year, six from Max Crosby alone. This feels like an opportunity for this Falcons offense to bounce back, and I think they will. So with the way these scores have played out, with the way these two teams match up, I'm fully expecting a shootout. Now, I will never take away credit from Dirk Cutter and his ability to scheme away points. And... I don't want to give him too much credit here, but if there is a defense where his 
offensive uh, plays can really do damage, this may be the one. Ryan should have time in the pocket. Should. Again, we'll see how the offensive line plays. If he has time on the pocket, uh, Ridley, Jones if he plays, Gage, Alameda Zacchaeus, Hayden Hurst should all be able to get uh, some receptions. And I think we'll see this passing offense look like the passing offense that we hoped they would be all year. So with that said, the Raiders are coming in. They're, they're the better team. Now, even though their defense is arguably one of the you know weakest, if you will, that the Falcons will face for the remainder of the schedule, they're not a terrible defense. They just aren't getting to the passer. Um, and right now, they're 6-4. and four. Falcons are 3-7. and seven. They have something to play for. The Falcons are all but out of the playoff race at this point. Um, the Falcons would have to win out to even have a hope of making the playoffs of grabbing that seventh uh, wild card spot that has been added this year. So with that, I think this is a game that just feels like the Falcons offense is going to get it done, but they're going to let the Raiders offense keep it close. And I ultimately think the Raiders are going to win this one. Let's call it 31-28. to 28. Uh, the, the Falcons offense gets back on track, but the defense becomes the Achilles heel yet again. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we see a fun game. I, I would love to see this Falcons team play well uh, on both sides of the ball. But right now, this feels like this could just be a traditional shootout that we've seen in the past. So that's our podcast for today. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. For updates on this podcast, follow us at FalcoholicPod. And of course, check our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. This is Dave Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. Talk with you next time.